Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the power of prayer as we pick up in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Oh, what power is generated by those men in their prayer, in the times of prayer all night long. And I'd like to recommend to a lot of you fellows, get started, get involved. You know, when I go to the men's prayer meeting on Saturday night and I hear the men praying, I can tell you the men who are in the all-night prayer times, I'll tell you they really learn to pray. And it's thrilling to have men of prayer within the body. But it's also thrilling to have so many women that also have banded together in prayer. The Monday morning prayer fellowship there and and the many prayer fellowships throughout the area where the ladies gather during the day in homes for time of prayer. And so we've got ladies praying all day and men praying all night. No wonder God is blessing Calvary Chapel in such a glorious way. And Jabez called upon God of Israel. Now his prayer was really sort of for personal things. Oh Lord, bless me indeed. Enlarge my coast. Keep your hand on me. Keep me from evil that it would not grieve me. And uh, God answered his prayer, granted his request. You know, God wants to bless you, and to me that's always exciting to realize that God wants to bless me. For as I look at myself, I say, how could God ever bless me? Now, he doesn't bless me because I'm so good, but because he's so good. And he just likes to bless people. I need the blessings. I like the blessings. I want the blessings. Oh, Lord, bless me indeed. Enlarge my coast. I think that one of the problems that we all have is that of narrowness. We we always seem to want to define our borders. Draw our close circle. Oh, God, enlarge my borders. You see, it's our church. Oh, but they're Baptist. You know, oh, they're Nazarenes. Oh, they're Presbyterians. And, you know, we, we want to sort of exclude others. We've got this special, exclusive fellowship, foolishness. We have no corner upon God at all. We used to sing, Jesus loves us all, one and all, you and me, everybody, one and all. And, and the Lord is no respecter of persons. The no, Lord is no respecter of churches. God, enlarge my borders. Help me to see beyond the narrow walls of denominationalism. I have found that the more spiritual a person becomes, the less denominational he becomes. And we quit talking about my church. And we start talking about his church. And we see it made up of Catholics and Presbyterians and Lutherans and Methodists and the whole 
shebang, you might say, you know, all of us are part of his glorious church. And we see the purposes of God wrought in the many fellowships that have been created. One of the signs of cultism is, is that of narrowness and we are the only ones. We're exclusive. Everybody else is babbling. Everybody else is wrong. We're the only ones that have the true truth. Everyone else has, well, how could you have a false truth, you know? So uh, we are the truly true church. And, and this narrowness, sectarianism, it is carnal. Paul said, while some of you say, I'm of Cephas, well, I'm of Paul, well, I'm of Apollos. He said that's a mark of, of spiritual immaturity. You're a babe in Christ. You haven't grown up. It's a mark of carnality. Are you not carnal? Do you not walk as men as long as one is saying, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos? And it's a mark of spiritual immaturity. Oh, God, enlarge my coast. Lord, enlarge the borders of my life. Let me see the whole kingdom of God and the whole body of Christ. And then, of course, keep your hand upon me. Oh, how important it is that God keeps his hand upon my life. David said, you have held me by my right hand. Lord, keep hold of my hand. I need you to hold me up. For, Lord, if you don't hold me up, I'll surely fall. And then finally, keep me from evil, lest it grieve me. Now, this is farsightedness, which we need more of. One of the problems of the world today is, as Peter described, he said, you only see that which is close, you do not see that which is far off. And we only so many times look at an experience for the immediate benefits. But this is always, always the snare of Satan. Shortcut. You don't have to take God's way. You can have immediate fulfillment. And just about every enticement that Satan lays before you, the bait is immediate fulfillment. You don't have to go by way of the cross. You can have immediate fulfillment right now. Just turn aside from God's path. You see, it's over here. Here's where you're going to find it. And, and he seeks to turn us aside from God's path. Oh, God, keep me from evil, lest it grieve me. Because the end of that path, when you turn aside from God's path, the end of that path is always grief. You may be all excited now. You may be breathless over the thrills and the anticipation of what this experience is going to bring to you. But oh, six months down the line, the grief that you're going to go through. Oh, God, keep me from evil, lest it grieve me. Sometimes I think it would be valuable if all of you could sit in my office and just listen to the stories of grief. Because someone turned aside from God's path, seeking fulfillment. You couldn't talk to them at that time. 
David said, oh, you don't understand. This is different. This is something special. Yes, but God's word says, oh, but, uh, you know, this is an exception. How is it that we always think our cases are exceptional? The old Greek proverb was, the dice of the gods are loaded, by which they were saying, hey, man, you can't go against God and win. Every time you try to go against God, you're going to lose. You're going to end up the loser. And so God keep me from evil, lest it be a grief unto me. God answered his prayer. Now we get back into names again. One name stands out. We, with verse 24, begin with the tribe of Simeon. And many of the names of those within the tribe of Simeon are given. And a certain number of the tribe of Simeon, 500 men, came down to the area of Edom, the land of Gedor. There was good pasture land there. And there they uh, set up on the east side of the great African rift, the Dead Sea, and they found a good pasture for their flocks. They drove out the inhabitants of that land, for it was good pasture land, and they dwelt there quietly and peaceably. Uh, they had driven out some of the descendants of Ham who had been there from the times of old. And uh, this was during the time that Hezekiah was king over Israel. And they then went on down into Mount Seir and took a part of the area that was of the Edomites, killing the Amaleks that were there. And it says they are dwelling there to this day. Now, uh, the tribe of Simeon was, of course, one of the ten tribes from the northern kingdom. And uh, it is interesting that a branch from Simeon went down and established there in the area of, uh, of Mount Seir. A rabbi recently sought to prove that uh, those tribes in Afghanistan are actually related to the tribes of Israel. They are part of the ten tribes of the northern kingdom. And he has done quite a scholarly job in research improving that Israel is already fighting in Afghanistan in many of these tribal people uh, that have since, of course, embra embraced uh, the Muslim religion uh, are actually descendants from the ten tribes that were scattered at the time of the Assyrian invasion. Whether or not that is true, I do not know, but I do know that God knows where those people are and he's going to gather them together. And during the Great Tribulation, he is going to seal 10,000 from each tribe because he knows exactly who they are. Now in chapter 5, we get to the descendants of Reuben, who lost his birthright. It was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. And so his genealogy is not reckoned after the birthright. That genealogy after the birthright, of course, will come to Joseph. But Judah prevailed above his brothers, and of him came the chief ruler, or David, 
But the birthright was Joseph. So even though the birthright was Joseph, the leadership was to come from Judah, and ultimately from Judah is to come Jesus Christ. Now in verse 9, we read concerning the tribe of Reuben, that they went east and inhabited the entering of the wilderness from the river Euphrates because their cattle were multiplied in the land of Gilead. And so they went over to what is present-day Iraq, as far as Iraq, and they dwelt in that area. And uh, so the tribe of Reuben, and then next to the tribe of Gad, these are the tribes that settled on the east bank of the Jordan River. And um, then after them, the half of tribe of Manasseh, and it gives the name of, names of some of those uh, from the half of tribe of Manasseh, those all that dwelt on the other side. But... In verse 25, concerning the tribe of Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh, they transgressed against the God of their fathers, and they went a whoring after the gods of the people of the land, whom God destroyed before them. And the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Paul, the king of Assyria, and the spirit of Tiglath-Pilneser, the king of Assyria, and he carried them away, even the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, and brought them unto Hala, unto Harbor, to Hara, to the river goes on unto this day. And so they were the first to fall, those tribes that settled on the east bank of the Jordan River. And the reason for their fall is their transgression against the God of their fathers and their beginning to worship other gods. Now in chapter 6, we now get to the tribe of Levi, from which was the priestly tribe. And the three sons, which made the major families within the tribe of Levi, were Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. And uh, of Kohath was born Amram, and from Amram was born Aaron and Moses and Miriam, their sister. And so Moses and Aaron both came from the family of Kohath in the tribe of Levi. And then you follow the high priest line from Aaron, his son Eliezer, and so forth. You follow that line on down to the captivity uh, of Nebuchadnezzar when he took them away, Babylon, from uh, verse 4 to 15, you have a direct line, a bunch of unpronounceable names. <laughs> and then he brings up Gershom in verse 17 and tells you some of his sons, and then again Kohath and some of his sons, and then Merari uh, and some of his sons, your, your basic uh, families. Now, as we get down into verse 31... It is interesting in verse 28, Samuel, the prophet, uh, is listed uh, in his line, uh, the son of Elkanah. In verse 31, And these are they whom David set over the service of song in the house of the Lord after the ark had rest. 
And they minister before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of the congregation with singing until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And then they waited on their office according to their order. And these are they that waited with the children of the sons of the Kohathites and Heman the singer and so forth. Now, David actually appointed these men and their job was just to stay in the, in the tabernacle and just sing unto the Lord. You know, sometimes we have uh, some of the ladies that come and practice the organ here in the church. And I love for there to be music here in the church. In fact, at one time we, we sought to set up a tape, you know, that we, we could just play music in the church. All the, I like it. I like it whenever you come in to just have uh, music of praise unto God. I think that's great. I just... Uh, I think it's great when God gives people the talent to sing. Any of you want to rehearse or anything, come on down to the church uh, and, and do your singing here. It's great. I love it. And you're welcome. Anytime you want to just worship the Lord or, or sing uh, unto Him, just come on down. You're free at any time to just come on in and just to worship the Lord with singing. They had hired musicians. David appointed certain ones, and they were just to be there singing all the time. It would be great. Now, I'm not much of one for choirs on Sunday morning to sing their little ditty and, and then that's it, you know. But I would be all for a choir that would, you know, be here all day long or evening just singing praises and worshiping God. I think that would be outstanding. And so David had appointed from uh, the tribe those that were to just spend their time Worshiping the Lord in music. Now, another portion of the tribe, uh, the descendants of Mirari, their brothers were appointed to all of the manner of the service of the tabernacle of the house of God. So they were the janitors and those that, you know, kept the physical aspects of the thing in repair. But Aaron and his sons, they were the ones that made the offerings unto the Lord uh, there at the altar, the burnt offerings, and offered the incense and made the atonements, and, and they were the ones that did that portion of the service unto God. And, of course, during the time of Moses, problems arose because they said, hey, Moses, you've taken too much on yourself. You've appointed your brother the other priests, the other descendants of, of Levi, they said, you've pointed your brother, you know, to the task of, of going in before the Lord. And we have as much right, Korah and his little crew, we have as much right as Aaron, you know. And so that's when Moses said, well, let's see if this thing be of God. Uh, you guys bring in your walking canes and uh, Aaron will bring his hint. We'll set them before the Lord tonight and, and see what happens. And so they set them in the tabernacle before the Lord. And in the morning, Aaron's rod had budded and blossomed and had ripe almonds on it. And so he says, well, it looks like God's trying to tell us something, but let's make sure. Uh, Korah, you and your buddies stand out there in the field. Now, if this thing be of God, then let God do a new thing. Let the earth open up and swallow you guys alive. And the earth opened up, and Korah and his whole rebellious crew went down into the pit, and the earth closed behind them. And they said, well, I guess it was of God. <laughs> no, it said, 
and a great fear came on all Israel. I'll bet it did. <laughs> now, it goes on now and tells the cities that were given to the priest, the cities that were given to them in Judah and the cities that were given to them in the tribe of Manasseh and in the tribe of Ishkar and Reuben and Gad and Zebulun and Ephraim and all. And it names the cities that were given to the priest. Now, when we get to chapter 7, it moves now to Ishakar, the son of Jacob, one of the 12 tribes, the tribe of Ishkar. And it begins to list some of those from the tribe of Ishkar until you get to verse 6, and then we deal with the descendants of Benjamin. And in verse 13, the descendants of Naphtali. In verse 14, the descendants of Manasseh. Verse 20 of Ephraim, then more or less filling out the chapter with the areas that Ephraim inhabited. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of First Chronicles on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Chronicles 4-7 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you. May He strengthen you by his hand, may you begin to really enter into the glorious victory through the power of God's Spirit. May the Lord be with you. We love you, and we thank God for the privilege of serving you, representing Him, feeding you in the knowledge of Him. What a joy, what a blessing. What a privilege. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. As Easter is approaching, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is on the hearts of Christians everywhere and how they might witness this beautiful story to their loved ones. With this in mind, The Word for Today would like to present a special MP3 entitled My Redeemer Lives that includes 14 reassuring messages to answer the significance of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ 
and a life that should bring hope to everyone. Also included is a special presentation of the crucifixion from a doctor's perspective, as well as a powerful salvation message shared by Pastor Chuck. And when you order My Redeemer Lives MP3, we'll include a free CD by Pastor Chuck to witness to your loved ones that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. This CD, entitled A Risen Love, clearly presents the evidence to help others make a decision that will impact their immediate and eternal future. For more information, contact The Word for Today at 800-272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.